totally not me forgetting to uh, update the background. That yeah, go check the private chat in our streaming software. <laughs> that, that, that definitely didn't happen. Uh, yeah, it's Saturday. Uh, well, I, I was going to say Saturday afternoon. I te- technically, it's morning for you over there, isn't it? Yeah, but it's close enough. You know, time zones being what they are, being out here on Pacific time, which is, of course, the single best time zone that there is. It's still late morning, but it's early afternoon on Saturday. And uh, yeah. Little bit of a different timing setup here because I was away for a couple of days, and uh, as it turned out, we were going to record on Friday night. But uh, one of us, I will not spoil who, got a little overserved, so right. we uh, we needed to we needed to push that back. Let me let me set, let me preface this by saying that uh, Caleb, myself, and and our friend uh, Stephen Fox and uh, and Greg were playing uh, League of Legends last night, um, and. At a certain, it was funny because I, you know, I was not. I had a couple of adult beverages, and uh, I was like, "Oh, I was supposed to record with Andrew." And uh, the response was, "Why doesn't Andrew play League of Legends with us?" And uh, I told them uh, that would probably not not be great. He he likes more uh, spreadsheety things like Football Manager. You know, I play. I just haven't been invited. <laughs> Andrew, this this will ruin your life. You do not you do not want to get involved with this. Yes, I've been told. I follow a professional wrestler that streams League of Legends, and I say because I like his streams. He's a funny guy, but I say I follow this even though I don't play League of Legends. And his response was, "Good, don't start." Yeah. <laughs> um, but funny enough, uh, that wasn't so. In between games, I'll you know I'll browse Reddit or whatever, and uh, I got into an argument in Reddit, an argument on Reddit. on Reddit. I'm shocked, and it, actually, it wasn't shocked. it wasn't really an argument as much as it was me just being a complete shithead. Okay. Uh, and uh, someone had posted a picture of them with a hot a Costco hot dog at Costco and a bottle of bourbon that they had just bought, you know. And um, unfortunately. The uh, the person at uh, who took the or who took the picture had decided to desecrate said hot dog by putting ketchup on it. Okay. Um, forget and... about ketchup for a minute. Just mm-hmm. forget about ketchup for a second because you're wrong about that. But here's a bigger question. It's a much bigger question, and depending on whatever medium you're watching or listening to this show on, go on down into the comments section. I'd like to hear this, Josh. Do you believe a hot dog is a sandwich? Yes. Thank you. That is the correct answer. Hit the applause button right now. Thank you. I have been in arguments with people at work with about this for several weeks, and it's a very simple argument. If a hot dog isn't considered a sandwich because it's technically not two pieces of bread, what's a Philly cheesesteak on a roll? It's the same thing with an Italian beef, an Italian Thank beef you. sandwich, right? Thank you. You it's an get Italian it. Italian beef sandwich, you get right? It. You're wrong and you know about what? Ketchup, do you know what? You're right about this. Do you know what they put on an Italian beef sometimes? A combo. They put an Italian sausage in there, right? So that's also a sandwich. So if you just took the beef out and just have an Italian sausage, isn't that still a sandwich? Yeah. I. I Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Um, but uh, yeah. Anyways, uh, I mean, this does make sense uh, that you that you put ketchup on hot dogs because yeah. the guy. Was posting from uh, was was California, it was Stockton, California. So oh God. Uh, so oh no. clearly clearly don't, ketchup. Don't yep, don't that's what you get. With Stockton, okay? that's what you get. Ketchup is apparently a West Coast thing. No, uh, you know what the best part of Stockton, California is? What? Leaving it. Wow, that's like 
the someone was talking about Ohio, right? The the biggest export of Ohio is people. <laughs> um, but uh, let's see. I'm I'm looking through my Reddit post history from last night. Uh, that sounds like my a good first, decision. My first uh, my first post was what is that red stuff? And then uh, someone he posted where he got it from. And I was like, good, avoid California since they put ketchup on hot dogs like a five year old. Uh, my next comment was, imagine being an adult and putting ketchup on a hot dog. And then I believe that person asked me, what, like, what do you put on the hot dog? To which I listed mustard, onion, tomato, celery salt, sport peppers, neon green relish, pickle. I said, also acceptable chili, cheese, or guacamole. Not ketchup. If you put tomatoes on hot dogs... Mm -hmm. Is ketchup really that much of a step down? Yeah, because ketchup is just fucking sugar sauce. Sugar sauce sounds amazing. Yeah, but not on a hot dog. Yes, on a hot dog. Also, you want to know, I didn't post this, but I need need to clear my chest. He, what did he say? Someone responded like, imagine, imagine getting so much hate for putting fake tomato spread on processed pig parts. Uh, Guess what, sir? Costco hot dogs are all beef. They are not pork. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> oh, we're, we've been recording for less than six minutes, and we're already off the rails. I, I just, I... Uh, I the know. lesson, as always, stay off of Reddit. Oh, I mean, I'm just saying that this, this is just proof of, of how much alcohol I had last night. I so. mean, I don't know if it's proof or if it's just, you know... It, it, Something did anything happen when you guys were playing League of Legends? Did everything just go down? Andrew, in do you do you really like you? You really have not played League of Legends because I you, haven't. You would not need an explanation of things that would have happened uh, in, in during this during this gaming session that would I don't know perhaps send somebody over the rail. Um, uh, it, it's not it's not uh, not too much unlike uh, you know watching horse racing for the day. You know that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, I, I was thinking about it, Andrew, and like already everybody is, uh, is out there making their, um, their derby <coughs> predictions. Um, you know, everyone now is a workout expert, um, is now a, uh, love, love seeing bath photos. Um, everybody should always love seeing bath photos. I'll say that much. Sorry, Jay Priven. Um, and then, uh, also, you know, the, it's just... Yeah, I, I mean, we have so many experts out there, um, you know, and if you haven't seen, uh, I, I did post on Twitter kind of our outline for um, uh, for the next, you know, week or so. Um, I, I do have guests lined up for a special, uh, kind of a special, I think we're going to do a special Pick 6 podcast. So I got a couple guests listed and, you know, have a different guest to a different race there. Obviously, Andrew, you and I are going to record next week as well. We'll, we'll figure out what specifically we'll do. Have our two live streams. Andrew, you said I, I have you penciled in possibly for Friday. Yep, I should be so, around. So so we'll we'll have fun there for the for the derby card. Um, but uh, yeah, we got we got tons of content coming out. I mean, there's tons of content gonna be coming out in the next week. As always, we appreciate every single one of you guys who who like, subscribe, watch. Um, all you know, the buttons, all the there'll buttons. be there'll be tons of stuff out there. Uh, you'll be able to get opinions from from anybody and everybody and whoever you want. Um, and uh, you know, when people ask you because you're the horse racing person um, and say, "Hey, like, what? Who do I bet?" You can always just point them to our stuff. But 
there's going to be a lot of this, right? This is the start of Derby Week. Churchill Downs opening night tonight. Uh, we will be live streaming uh, during Churchill Downs for a little bit, talking uh, talking Churchill Downs, uh, maybe a little Santa Anita, um, and, and just you know hanging out and, and talking. But um, the uh, there, there's just uh, you can go get people's thoughts on the Derby already. Obviously, we already know Andrew Champagne is is a chalk eating weasel, so we, we got that covered as well. But I figured we'd talk a little bit about uh, about Derby's past. Uh, you know, um, this is... Uh, I, I know I, I have stories, you know, and I've, and I've only been following the game for a couple of years. Um, and uh, it, most of these stories are probably ones that I've already either told on here or, or we've talked about. But well, there's nothing nothing wrong with a little, uh, little rehashing. But, um, yeah, I just figured we would kind of, you know, kind of, you know, stop and, and, and talk a little bit about the Derby. I... I remember one day um, uh, Ed DeRosa had posted something about like what what is your first Derby memory, and unfortunately mine is not great um, because uh, this was obviously before I had started betting, um, and uh, the two things I remember about the Derby before I started betting, uh, eight bells and Barbaro. So uh, <laughs> not exactly the. Uh, you know the thing that you want, uh, you know, to be to be kind of uh, out there in the forefront of uh, of, of when what you said you Barbaro, you meant Big Brown, right? Because Big Brown won that Derby. What do you mean? No, Bar. Yeah. I mean the the whole uh, injury. No, sorry. Yeah, the injury, the Barbaro injury, and all that stuff, which well, well, actually Barbaro wasn't was, Derby. Yeah, Barbaro was a couple of years before that. Big yeah. Brown wound up, in my opinion, saving horse racing by winning the Kentucky Derby. Yeah, because imagine if instead of Big Brown winning the Kentucky Derby, the story is Philly wins the Derby and then dies. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, these are two separate, two okay. separate memories. I, I wasn't I have. sure if you were no, lumping no, them no, together or not, no, but I got you now. No, no, but um, yeah, th those are the two things that like like really stood out to me. So like, but but that was obviously just you know being being a kid, or I don't even remember how old I was at that point. I, I forget what years those were, but. Um, obviously I wasn't betting or, or anything then. So, um, just was this thing you watched on TV every year for some reason, you know, uh, like the Indy 500 or, um, Daytona 500 or whatever, you know, not that I, I follow IndyCar or anything like that, but, uh, uh, I do follow formula one, uh, shout out to uh, Sergio Perez for winning the, uh, the sprint race uh, today. But, uh, Andrew, what, what kind of, when you, when you kind of think back on, on the Derby, what, what's kind of your first, derby memory that you have young andrew had the exact in the 2000 kentucky derby which was won by fusaichi pegasus um that story by the way was chronicled in a book uh written by joe drape about several horses leading up to the 2000 kentucky derby um joe drape's written a lot of stuff some of it good some of it awful from the eyes of journalistic integrity standpoints. But that book is pretty good if you haven't had a chance to take a read. He follows Fusaichi Pegasus. He follows More Than Ready. He follows a horse named Hal's Hope, who was owned by somebody who was 80 years old and ridden by a guy named Roger Velez, who was on his third or fourth chance at that point. Uh, it's a good book. But young Andrew had Fusaichi Pegasus in first and a horse named Aptitude in second. And that wound up actually being a pretty nice little exacta for somebody who, let's see, that was 2000. I was born in 88, so 11, I think I was. You're younger than me? Yeah. Goodness gracious. Born in 88. Man, I'm old. 
Yes, yes, you are. We all are. But yeah, that's probably my first Kentucky Derby memory, for better or for worse. When I was that age, I knew how to read a racing form. So your was it was your dad that got you into horse racing? I'm assuming. Yes, yeah. for sure. Yeah, we uh, we grew up. I grew up about an hour and a half south of this place, right back here. Wound up working in this little building right in here. Um, yeah, that's basically how I got started. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, we—I I think we—we've told the story. Like me, for me personally, I didn't start betting until the Justified Derby, and it literally wasn't until the day, the Oaks Day, where I placed my first bet. Um, and uh, it, it's just like I—I I always just think it's so funny that the series of events that had to have happened in order to like get to where I am today, like with with horses and everything like that. Um, my brother. Uh, well, actually, it started with obviously a, a derby pool that my um, my friend at work. He's like, "Hey, you like to gamble? You like to go to Vegas? Like, do you um, do you want to hop in this derby pool? We all pull a hundred bucks when we try to hit the Superfecta in Derby." And I was like, "Yeah, sure, whatever. It's a hundred bucks." Um, and uh, I I mean, even funnier than that is I didn't go to Vegas until I was thirty, so I've only been going to Vegas for seven years. Um, so what year was, was justified? Justify was what, five years ago? Justify was 2018. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I'd only been going to Vegas for two years when this guy's like, Oh, you, you like to gamble. Um, but we end up, uh, so I, I toss, I give him a hundred bucks and then, uh, I, I tell my brother, my brother, my brother, you know, like to bet the horse, like to go to Arlington. He'd asked me to go a couple times and I just, I just never went. And, um, so he's like, oh, I'm going to Arlington. It's opening day on Friday. Um, and I was like, oh, I, was, I, I worked um, that day. But my brother kept on texting me horses he liked. And so I signed up on, you know, TVG, you know, got the sign-up bonus or whatever. And my brother just could not miss. It was just, it was incredible. And I was like, if my brother can figure this out, this has got to be the easiest game in the world. Uh, and so, you know, I end up, I think I win like a hundred bucks, um, betting like two to $5 a race or whatever. And, and like, just like everything hit, I was just like, this is incredible. Um, and then obviously, uh, you know, uh, Derby day, um, I, I just, you know, had the greatest handicapping moment in the history of the world and, uh, and picking funny duck. Uh, to win the, uh, the Pat day mile. What, what uh, were the odds on funny duck that day? I think he paid like 80 bucks. Okay, point of order. You have not had the greatest handicapping moment among people on this show. Have I told you about the time that I gave out Lord Miles at 59 to 1 in the Wood Memorial and he won and he paid $120.50? So the, I was having a the conversation last night with, uh, with, with the guys when we were playing league. And uh, Mark, Mark hops on and he'll, he'll chat with us. He doesn't play, uh, but he'll hop on and he'll, he'll, play, his, his, he'll play Destiny or whatever and he'll, he'll be chatting with us. And we were talking about stuff, and uh, I just completely forgot about the, all the New York preps. Like, I just, like, I was like, oh, I forgot. I Like, those aren't even really preps. Like, we don't have to worry about those horses. You shut your <laughs> mouth when you're talking to me. But, uh, but yeah, no, I, you know, th that was kind of how I started off, you know, betting was just like, it just so happened that uh, my brother gave me a bunch of tips that worked out. I had Funny Duck for some freaking reason. I don't even know. Um, I, I like I said. I, I remember I was using the DRF Easy form mm -hmm. that someone had posted on Reddit, uh, which you know, and 
like like any any adult my age, uh, adult male my age, right? When they get interested in something, the first thing they do is they go to the subreddit and see if there's a Discord server for it. Okay. Which is how I ended up, you know, meeting all the, uh, you know, meeting Caleb and Mark and and you know a bunch of other people. But um, yeah, like I I found the DRF easy form on Reddit and. I don't know. I don't know why I played the horse. I don't know if there was like a mud rating or something I ended up using, but um, yeah, it, it was just funny. And then like, you know, I bet justify in the derby. I hit the exact and the try. Um, and then um, I know we're talking only derby, but then Preakness, I hit the try there with uh, justify over uh, was it Bravazo and oh, who's the other horse? Oh goodness! I remember Bravazo almost won. Yeah, I remember the race was close. Yeah, um, Bravazo was one of them. My God, that was a really slow crop. That crop might be worse than the one we have this year, as far as speed figures go, because that was not a good group. I'm actually pulling up the Blood Horse article now there because you go. I don't remember. Uh, tenfold. That's tenfold. It. Yeah, and I had it. I had it basically cold i had it justify on top singled over bravazo tenfold bravazo tenfold wow. and uh i had it for a couple of bucks and i think i ended up cashing like 900 dollars. cool and i thought and i thought that was just like the greatest thing ever and i was hooked after that and yep. i proceeded to lose you know a bunch of stuff after that but uh it's just funny like if my brother had not just had the day of days that that oaks day um and then obviously um you know i didn't use that money to win other bets in the kentucky derby i mean we might have not uh we might not be doing this podcast andrew probably not no it's uh it's always awesome to look back and see the forks in the road that you've taken and, Mm -hmm. and all of that stuff uh that's for sure and ultimately the biggest achievement of the last several years in technology is just how easy it is to meet people for better or for worse. I don't know if you're talking about me or not. No, you're fine. <laughs> you're fine. Uh, there, there are unfortunately bad apples in every single group that you wind up identifying with on different forms of social media. You get people talking about how they're writing a book and they're really looking for targets on a hit list. If that makes sense to you, yes, you're the person I was targeting. Oh goodness! But what about you, Andrew? You got you got any fun uh, fun betting uh, betting stories? I, I mean, I I'm gonna have to tell the story that gets told anytime I I talk about the Derby. But we've sure. I've told it before. But I figure you can uh, you can hop in. So this story's fun for me. It's not fun for a whole lot of other people for a bunch of different reasons. 2021 was the greatest handicapping year of my life, and it's not particularly close. I had several of my biggest scores. I had the best Saratoga meet of my life. By winners, it's the best public handicapping meet anybody in the media at Saratoga has had. Um, Yeah, here we go. Come on. There's going to be some sound coming. I can feel it. This is going to be like tooting my own horn. I don't know. But at any rate, the 2021 Kentucky Derby, Josh... It's been two years. We don't know who officially won that race. Horse racing, get it together. What the hell are you doing? Uh, But from a betting standpoint, it was won by a horse named Medina Spirit, trained by a gentleman named Bob Baffert. 
and my mindset leading up to the race. And you can take a look. I did a podcast on this before the race. I said, look, assume life is good doesn't exist because for purposes of that year's Kentucky Derby, he didn't. He had won several Kentucky Derby prep races where Medina Spirit was second. If you just draw a line through life is good's name, in Medina Spirit, you have a horse that won a couple of preps and was second behind a horse named Rock Your World, who was loose on the lead in the Santa Anita Derby and had a picture-perfect trip that I didn't think was going to be replicated. My strategy for that Derby was a 2A, 2B approach using essential quality and Medina Spirit on top of a couple of other horses, one of which was Mandaloon. Rock Your World doesn't break. When Rock Your World doesn't break, Medina Spirit is left alone on an uncontested lead. Still, they turn for home, and Mandaloon looks home and cooled out. He looks like he's about to launch his bid, win by three lengths at 28 to one, and I'll have some small exactas that make it a good day, okay? It's still a pretty good day. Medina Spirit forgets to stop. Essential quality ranges up on the outside, and he looks like a winner with about an eighth of a mile to go. Medina Spirit forgets to stop. Medina Spirit hits the wire, and suddenly the $30 in picks that I gave out on the podcast I hosted at the time returned a little over $1,000 because it was having that exacta several times in several different ways. I had win bets. I had Oaks Derby doubles. It wound up being the single best day of my handicapping career because I also had the exacta in the Churchill Downs that day with Flagstaff and Lexitonian. And Lexitonian was a freaking bomb that day who would ultimately wind up making me some money in the summer when he won the Vanderbilt at Saratoga at 30 some odd to one. That was a big day for me for a lot of different reasons. And of course, everything since that day has made it a day that not a lot of people really want to be associated with. The one comment that I will have is if you are concerned about the result of the Kentucky Derby from the standpoint of regulations in horse racing, making sure we catch anybody that might be cheating or giving substances to horses that they shouldn't be getting or overages of certain substances, regardless of how they're delivered. I understand that. And I think that's admirable. If you're angry about that race because you didn't bet on Bob Baffert to win a Kentucky Derby when he had done that five times and you backed the wrong horse, sit down and shut up. I have, I have a lot of thoughts on uh, on that whole situation, but most people do. They're they're just not like I don't know if they're 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 good thoughts if they're really like fully formed. And at this point, uh, you know, this is the last year that the suspension, you know, suspensions yeah. run its course. And I think next year it's going to be business as usual. Yeah, I mean, and personally, just... my my thinking is just based on what we know. Regardless of how it was delivered, Medina Spirit had an overage that shouldn't have been there. You DQ the horse, you move on. Of course, we live in a society where everything gets litigated and dissected at various levels. And of course, the people that are affected by this, Medina Spirit's people, aren't going to sit down and just take that. So you take it through the courts. And ultimately, it's been two years. We don't know who really won the 2021 Kentucky Derby. The more troubling thing, and I'll, maybe we'll talk about this, I don't know. It's been four years since the 2019 Kentucky Derby, and we don't have one uniform answer to the question, 
what is a foul that merits a disqualification? Yeah, it's... I am not a, a Baffert apologist by any... Uh, oh, any I'm stretch, not either. Any the Baffert cult has come after me with torches on occasion. It's happened. But I will say, I think the punishment did fit the crime. However, nobody else has been punished in the same way. And I think that's... I know that's an argument that the... Uh, you know, that... The, the the Baffert uh, Baffert pom pom squad ma makes all the time, and I really think that's probably the only the only argument that that they have with the only valid argument that they have because I mean remember there was that one year there was a horse named Blackberry Wine mm -hmm. that I think won like two or three races yep, broke and was still and was still technically times, a maiden yep because of overages because of everything and it's like yeah like. You know, Joe Sharp is still training. Yeah. And it I I don't know a damn thing about horse training, horse like like I said, these could have all been you know, uh contaminations, whatever. I, I don't know, but I'm just saying like it's not like it's just one guy. It's but, the system for sure. I mean, the only punishment that I think you can look at, and I don't want to get too far into this because ultimately we're going to wind up going down a road. I don't think any of us wanted to go mm -hmm. down, but the comparable punishment to that is Rick Dutrow getting banned 10 years. And yes, they found some stuff, but the 10 year ban was because he was an asshole to a lot of people, not necessarily for anything he did, just how he looked doing it. And by the way, as a recommendation that I'll give any time I talk about Rick Dutrow, there was a Deadspin article that was published in, I believe, 2014, something along those lines, talking about IEAH and Big Brown and Rick Dutrow and all of that. Go search for it. It's one of the best pieces of long-form horse racing journalism you're ever going to read. I reread it a couple of times a year. It's magnificent. It's a story that I think everybody needs to know. And the fact that Michael Ivorone is back now and he has this second life as this outrageous guy who parties with human beings that are more machine at this point than anything you're actually born with. It's a it's a strange situation, man. But yeah, definitely read that article if you haven't. Has he has he run any horses yet? Uh, Dutrow, he started claiming horses. Uh, he's got a couple. I think he's got 10 stalls at Belmont. And they didn't want to give him any more because they weren't sure how many he wanted to train. But I know he's eyeing Saratoga. Interesting. Yep. And one of my biggest scores at Saratoga was with a horse he trained. He brought a horse into what was then the King's Bishop. It's now the Allen Jerkins by the name of Willie Beeman in 2012 off of three days rest. And Willie Beeman won the King's Bishop. Dutrow was not on the grounds. Dutrow was fighting uh, for his career at that point. And Naira got a hold of him. They put this in the notes, and I will never forget this. They found him at a Chinese restaurant in near Aqueduct and asked what he ordered. And the Naira notes included that he recommended the shrimp and broccoli. One of the great pieces of track notes of all time, I believe that was a Dan Silver production at that point. Comanche. Comanche? No. Yeah. 
Willie Beeman, right? From uh, Steam and Willie Beeman from yep. uh, okay. Any Got Given it. Sunday. Any Given Sunday. Right? Yeah. That's the play that they call. Yeah. So, yeah, Willie Beeman won that race. I had to pick four that would have paid thousands if Golden Ticket had gotten his nose down clean in the Travers. And by the way, every photo from that race has him in front. I'm not saying this is a Kent DeSormo beholder songbird situation, but that was a dead heat. I wound up making about 500 bucks instead of about 3,500, which would have been a signer. So the things we remember, right? Yeah, it's, I don't know. It's just, you know, weird stuff. Um, you know, and obviously you, you did bring up the, uh, the maximum security derby, mm -hmm. uh, which, is where my story, uh, well, my story actually starts a day before. I was trying to segue into that, and we got a little off kilter. So yeah, yeah. So the day before, um, the late pick four at uh, um, Churchill Downs for Oaks Day. And, uh, you know, Mark likes to take a lot of credit for this. You know, I like, I've never, I've never seen a man who likes to take credit for other people's scores so much as Mark. Um, and I just remember for days, he's like, well, I'm so glad I was able to hook you up as if like he punched the ticket for me, you know, but, um, we, uh, I, I played, I, I think I played the pick five and I think I got, you know, I was out first leg. So I ran back to pick four. Um, and if I remember correctly, uh, the pick four, uh, there was one price in the pick four, um, that paid a ton. It was from the workout report for drf it was a horse named cummins and uh it had like a b plus or a minus work or something and i think paid like 50 or 60 dollars to win um so i had that horse in the pick four and so i get to oaks day and or the oaks race and i have two horses i have bellafina and i have serengeti empress and I have them. I have the pick four for a dollar, and uh, you know, Serengeti Empress just breaks out of the gate, and similar to uh, to your Medina Spirit, uh, no I one mean, went. Or, I remember this. No one went. No one went, and she didn't stop. She just kept going, and you know, um, Serengeti Empress turned into be a really, really, really nice horse. Um, I don't think the bleeding issue that that she had when she was younger ever ended up you know, coming back to be, to be a problem. Uh, there might've been, I think she might've bled one other race if, if I remember correctly, but, um, you know, I, I think I ended up, I ended up cashing somewhere around $4,800 for that pick four. That was my first, my first big score. Um, and, uh, you know, Mark was very, very much on both Serengeti Empress and Cummins. Uh, and, uh, so, so he takes credit. So I have a question. Um, yep. After the race, what was Mark's hand gesture? Was it like this, like a high five? Or was it like this, waiting for a tip? He was definitely not waiting for a tip. He is, okay, good. He is, he is, he would, I, I don't think he would ever, uh, he would ever uh, ask for a tip, but. Uh, we, we just love making sure he catches straight. Yeah, he's got to catch a straight at some point in time. Um and I'm actually trying to find this uh, this horse now to remember what the other I forget what other races were in that sequence, but at that point it was the most money I'd ever made uh, in, in a race and um, or in the sequence or anything like that. 
Uh, it wasn't a taxable. It was only a $24 ticket, so it just, was just under whatever uh, the, the taxable was. And it was just after they rewrote the tax code, too. You got lucky. Mm -hmm. So it was, uh, yeah, it, it was, yeah, it, it was just, it was just an awesome day. And I was like, there's no way that, um, there's no way that we're going to, you know, replicate this. Um, and then of course, the next day, uh, we have the, the, the faded, uh, maximum security, uh, DQ and, uh, 22 minutes. And uh, like I said, the, the story the story for me is just funny because of just the superstition and just other nonsense that that happened with this race. And and obviously, um, I remember uh, I told my promised my wife, hey, like we're gonna go and um, we're gonna go to Grand Rapids and we're gonna spend the you know spend a couple days there and just hit up breweries and do stuff. And I told her I was like, hey, like. It is Derby Day. Like I'm gonna bet it. Like I'm just gonna bet it on my phone. Put my bets in, and we'll just you know do whatever. <coughs> so, I play. Uh, I play a pick five, um, and then I also play a pick four, uh, that end in the Derby. <clears throat> and um, I have all the, the Baffert horses. So I have a game winner. Um, Roadster was another Roadster one. Roadster and um, uh, Improbable. Improbable, yeah. And then I have Maximum Security. Um, and I have them both pick four and the pick pick five. I think I have the pick four for a dollar and the pick five for either fifty cents or a dollar. I forget what it was, but um, you know, there's that big old time between the last race and the derby. It's like a sixty minute wait or yep. whatever. So we are at we are at some brewery and we're walking over to the new. Oh, who makes dre no New Holland? Yeah, New Holland Knickerbocker is a bar, or it was a bar. I don't know if it's still around, but a bar in downtown uh, Grand Rapids, owned by New Holland. Um, and so we're going to you know go try all these different variants of Dragon's Milk and all this other stuff. And so we're walking, um, and I'm feeling pretty good, right? Like at that point, I felt like I had the the only four horses that could win the race. You know, which I think. You always think sometimes, you know, when you place your bet. So we're walking down the street. We're walking down this re residential street. And my wife and I were just talking. And I'm just telling her, I'm like, oh, you know, I'm live with a couple horses. Like, this this could be really good. Like, this is more than yesterday. And uh, we're just walking down. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, comes a black cat. Oh, no. And he just runs right in front of me. Oh, no. And then stops. And looks at us. And then just makes goes on his very way. And at that point, you know. You well, just at, know. At that point, I don't know, right? I'm still feeling good. I'm we're probably like ten beers in, you know, because we've just been hitting up brewery after brewery after brewery. And my wife just, just turns to me and she goes, Well, that's not good. <laughs> and I was like, Well, I'm not superstitious, that's fine, right? And uh, so I remember we sit down, we get seated at the Knickerbocker, you know, I got a flight of beers in front of me, um, can't really see the TV very well, uh, they, they had like a handful of TVs in that place, it's a pretty big, pretty big space, and um, yeah, I mean, you watch, you got the race up, and I'm sitting there, I'm watching on my phone, horse crosses the line, because I, I want to say that 
most everybody who watched it live didn't really notice what happened. At least I didn't see anything, you know. Um, and I just turned to my wife and I go, I think I just won like $8,000. And my wife just, in, in the only the way my wife can do, she goes, no way, no, you didn't. And sure enough, she was right. Because 22 minutes later, uh, we all know what happened. Uh, and, you know, I'm sitting there shaking my head and just, you know, I'm like, I can't believe this. Like, I can't believe, like, you know, I, I you know, I, I lost like $88,000 or whatever. And my wife, once again, only the way she can, goes, you didn't lose anything. You didn't have it to begin with. And this is why my wife is not a gambler. <laughs> because she doesn't have that she doesn't have that that you know i don't know maybe it's a defect that we have andrew i don't, I don't yeah, know yeah but we're more like this yeah and she's a lot more even keeled yeah um, my wife's the type of person who will go sit down to the slot machine put a 20 in spin three or four times and all of a sudden her balance says like 23 dollars, and she'll hit the cash out button hey we need stabilizing forces like that in our lives, man. My fiance does not gamble. Uh, I remember we, uh, thanks to the good folks over at Carf, we wound up getting a box one day at the uh, Alameda County Fair, and they very much enjoyed that. But just from the standpoint of having a place to sit, taking it all in, not necessarily the whole gambling aspect. But yeah, that's uh, that's a that's a pretty disgusting beat, and it's one of those instances where. Even given everything we know four years later and the fact that had maximum security stayed up and that indictment come down, where would we be? I don't know. But I got to tell you, I bet the stewards are pretty grateful that they did what they did. Even so, that's a terrible beat for as much money as you were live to. Yeah, it, it's funny because... Um... It's funny because, you know, you you sit there and especially like for me, I was like, I don't know if I will ever be in another situation where I'm live to that much money. Right. And it turned but, out you were. Yeah. And it turned out I, I was. And, and what was really funny is, you know, I think about it now, you, you know, they always um, someone's like, oh, well, it always evens out like it, it evens out. Right. Like sometimes it, you know, you you. You get a DQ your way, and sometimes it, it, it doesn't go your way. Like, it's going to even out. And I'm like, how the fuck is it going to even out for eight like for that much money? And then I think back to uh, my, my Belmont hit um, a couple years ago, where or last year, rather, um, where uh, I had two horses, and sure enough, uh, there was an inquiry, and I survived the inquiry and ended up hitting for $12,000, uh, after surviving that inquiry in like leg two or three and, you know, ended up cashing a nice ticket. So so maybe it does even out all, all around, but uh, I'll tell you, man, it did, definitely never felt like it was ever going to even out in the heat of the moment. I mean, you also gave out that pick six at Keeneland on this show for 13000 and some change. So I, I got to tell you, you got to be better at bragging about yourself, man. Don't be uh, so self-effacing, Josh. Well, I mean, that was last year was the first positive year I'd had in, in I think, altogether. Yeah, probably altogether um, yeah. that I've had gambling. So, and I mean, it took two five figure scores to do it, but, uh, you know, knowing, knowing that that's a possibility, right? That, that, that it can happen. Um, I definitely, definitely took a little bit of this thing out of that off, but, 
I, I know, you know, at the time I was super, super active in the, the horse racing discord from Reddit. And we started, I think someone started doing the math. And I think, I mean, we're talking well north of $100,000 that the whole discord lost on that disqualification. So, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's depressing when you get into those kind of numbers and the things that everybody's got on there. And it gets magnified by the stage, too. I mean, if that's a random, you know, yeah, you're live for that kind of money on a Thursday somewhere. It doesn't quite feel the same as when the whole world is watching. Yeah, um, I do remember. Uh, I mean, you, you did bring up the, the other controversial derby, obviously, the Medina Spirit uh, Derby. Um, Caleb and I both liked Medina Spirit that year pretty early on. Um, I forgot what race it was he won, but he won he won a real nice race, ran a hundred buyer, um, and which you know has for a long time been one of those kind of like standards, right? Like you got to mm-hmm. run a hundred buyer uh, in order to win the Derby. Um, and he ran a nice race, and I remember looking at Circa and. Uh, because I think that was the year Circa opened. Yeah, twenty. I think so. Um, they had him at fifty to one on the on the uh, futures uh, market, and I happened to be going to Vegas that weekend, and so I was I was talking to Caleb. I was like, I should probably go down and put some money on this for us, shouldn't I? And he's like, Yeah, fifty to one, like for sure. And I, if I remember correctly, I believe that was, I landed like on Saturday, and I don't remember if it was right before I landed or when I, but basically one of the big Baffert horses was announced as no longer being in the Derby. I think it might Life is concert. Good. Was it Life is Good? Or, I don't remember if it was Life is Good or Concert Tour. We, if it was life is good, we were in Vegas at the exact same time because I was waiting for a sandwich at a deli outside of the link. And I remembered seeing that and I remembered thinking, yeah, that doesn't surprise me because every time that horse's feet hit the ground, I wince because he grew into himself a little bit in his four-year-old year. When he was younger, that stride was not pretty and you could tell yeah. something was off. It's actually very similar to why they're taking it slow with Arabian Night. It's that same kind of heavy stride. You know what? It that might have been because I think I was in town for I was in town the same weekend that um, uh, March Madness happened. Yep, that's what it was. So that we might, so that might have time. been, yeah. And you that, didn't tell me, you jerk. <laughs> uh, but the funny thing, yeah. So the, like, so they pulled they pulled the future wagers down. Yep. And. Uh, so I was like, all right, well, I'll check the next day. And I think by that point, Medina Spirit had been halved. I think he was like 25 to 1 or something. And, like, and at, at that, that point, point like it wasn't it, worth it. you know, yeah, it's bigger than the odds you were going to get. But at the same time, you're two months out. You got to bake that into the future. And that winds up being nowhere near as attractive a proposition. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, that's pretty brutal. Uh, by the way, Josh mentioned the whole chalk-eating weasel thing with me. I have Forte at 15 to 1 in a future that's at least makes it more tolerable and acceptable as to why I'm bullish. I understand people that see five to two or three to one or whatever it is and think, yeah, I'm going to bet against that horse. I get it. You don't want to take a horse at that kind of price in a 20 horse field. If you're going against him because you don't think he's the horse to beat, 
I think that's a little different. Mm -hmm. I think you can say, yes, he's probably the most likely winner, but I need five to one to bet him. That's one thing. If you're trying to say, oh, I don't think he's that good. Take another look at the Florida Derby. I understand Mage didn't have a great trip. You're not supposed to break from post 11 at Gulfstream Park going a mile and an eighth and win. You're just not supposed to do that. And it's gotten to where people are bashing that race because it came back slow and the buyer came back at a 95. If Forte runs a total clunker in that race and winds up being seven to one or eight to one in Kentucky, Josh, how many people bashing Forte are all over him right now? It's a funny game. It is. It is a funny game. And like, you know, I, for the most part, I just have to lean into the whole, uh, you know, against Forte at this point. You, you just um, have to lean into the whole my co-host is a chalk-eating weasel thing. I mean, it's that too. It's so funny. The, the, the funniest thing is the, the other chalk-eating weasel I know, well, I know two other chalk-eating weasels, and one of them does not like Forte, and that's Mr. Mark Capitan. Really? Uh, yeah, he's not, he's not a fan. Um, but the other one is our friend Stephen Fox. Uh, I, I had we had a, we were obviously we were playing uh, we were playing games last night and uh, and I wasn't invited. We've yep. been through this. And uh, I was just like going on a tirade against him about Forte. Like imagine thinking five to two is value. Could like can you imagine? And all of a sudden he just disconnects. And I was like, oh my god, maybe I pushed him over the edge. Oh no! And oh, his no. internet just oh, went no. out. Yeah. <laughs> so here's the thing with Forte, and this is what I would advise anybody to do. And we're on about 45 minutes, so this might be one of the last things that, that we leave you with here. If you think Forte is the most likely winner, and I do, you're going to get no value in the win pool, especially with Mattress Mac likely coming into town and placing $11 billion on Forte's nose through the paramutual system and screwing a lot of people that have had this opinion for a while. What I would advise you to do, if you're a $10 better and you think Forte is far and away the most likely winner, play five $2 exactas using Forte on top of bombs that are could potentially run second. That's how you get situations like Orb beating Golden Soul and the exacta paying $980 for a $2 bet despite the favorite being on top. That, I think, is a value-conscious play where you're getting a little bit more bang for your buck with the horse that you like, even though the horse you like is going to be a 5-2 to two or 3-1 to one favorite. There are other ways other than the wind pool to extract value on that kind of strong opinion, and that would be where I would advise you to go. Now, look, the post-position draw is coming up on Monday. If Forte draws the rail, we might have a little bit of a crisis of confidence there. But long as Forte doesn't draw the rail, I think he'll be fine. I don't even think post 19 or 20 are prohibitive for him because he's got the ability to sit back and potentially make a gradual left turn towards the rail. And maybe he's a little bit wide going into the first turn, but he's also not taking any dirt. Long as Forte's not on the rail, I think he's going to be pretty tough. Not necessarily unbeatable, but again, I would advise you to avoid reading too much into the rhetoric there because of what I just mentioned. If Forte runs a distant third in the Florida Derby from the 11 hole and he's seven to one or eight to one, how many people bashing Forte are suddenly on it? That's the time to ask that kind of question. Yeah. I, 
I like I said, like you go back to the justify year, right? And and I, um, I, I you know the Preakness, right? I had an ex- I had justify on top, and in the Preakness, he was even shorter than he was in the Derby. Oh yeah, and I mean I think that the trifecta paid for a buck paid something like a hundred and forty dollars, mm-hmm. and I had it for five. You right, know, like you can. You can still make money if that is your opinion, right? If right. your opinion is that that he's the best horse, um, I mean, obviously the the other way is is horizontally, right? That pick five historically has always paid very, very, very well. Yeah. And if you single Forte in the end, I mean, that gives you a lot of a lot of other places you can go, or allows you to even press it up even more. You know, depending on how much you want to spend. So, so you know, I like I said, like I like. I'm being mostly facetious uh, about uh, Forte. If I, I had the same anybody, opinion, don't worry. If I had the same opinion, right? If I if I was as as strong on him as other people were, then yeah, like he he could be a potential single. I just I I just don't see it as much. Uh, but you know, maybe I'm just playing the eye, the eye test way too much, and you know, not looking at the not look not looking at the facts. You know, yeah. I, I don't know. So when I wrote a special edition of the Derby bubble for the Pollock report, there was one edition earlier this year where I compared this year's horses to horses of years past based on any number of factors. I compared Forte to Nyquist. Nyquist wasn't necessarily overwhelming, but he repeatedly proved that he was the best of the bunch. And sometimes a cigar is just a cigar. You don't necessarily need to look at it from a hundred different angles based on what I've seen if Forte is right, all other things being equal, I think he wins. But you do need to be careful and conscious about value. And would I be as excited if my 15 to 1 future was, say, 8 to 1, which is what I thought I was going to get when I looked at odds in November? Of course not. But it's all about maximizing value on your strongest opinions. And there are certain principles that are still in play, even though the Derby is as big a race as it is. Don't abandon what makes you a successful handicapper just because the Derby is the Derby. That's the biggest piece of advice I can give to anybody. Workouts are important. If there's a horse that is clearly breathing fire in the mornings, you take a second look. But if that horse has repeatedly run second, third, fourth behind other horses, in some cases with perfect trips, there's ground that needs to be made up there. You can move horses up without being crazy off of these workouts. And that's the note of caution that I would say about Derby works is yes. For instance, reincarnate worked a very fast half mile at Santa Anita earlier this week. That was a very good work. Had reincarnate lost the photo for third in the Arkansas Derby. He's in the Pat day mile perspective matters. Folks don't lose that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, we're, we're going to have a lot of fun this next week. Oh, yeah. Uh, obviously if you're we'll, not having fun, pick a different industry. Yeah, we're going to, like I said, we'll be live in a little over, a little, yeah, around three hours from now uh, of our recording. I'll get this up, you know, as soon as possible. And then, uh, yeah, then calm before the storm, I think, tomorrow. And I think we, do we start having draws on Monday? Yep, draws Monday for the Derby. That's when we'll know post positions and we'll know the morning line. Get ready for everybody to now be morning line experts. It's gonna yeah, it's gonna be a good time. Yeah. Um 
So I recommend making sure you spend as much time as possible on Twitter because you will see very level-headed takes. Oh yes, for the, the next most uh, rational, best thoughts from the most rational, best people. In fairness, by the way, ninety-eight percent of you on Twitter are absolutely magnificent, and it's the other two percent that are just screwing everything up for everybody else. <laughs> oh, but uh, yeah, that's gonna. I think it's gonna do it for us, Andrew. What uh, you got anything going on this week? Uh, Outside of what we're doing? I got a dentist appointment on Tuesday, and they're going to numb me up with a whole bunch of fun stuff. Uh, it's going to be, for those of you out there who enjoy the West Wing, um, the episode where CJ Craig had root canal, and she's got cotton in her mouth, and she's talking to Josh. That's going to be me all day on Tuesday. Should wear off by the time we record our show on Wednesday and by the time we do stuff on Friday for sure. But, yeah, that's uh, going to be interesting. Also going to be doing a lot of really cool derby-related stuff on a Katina site called Legal Sports Report that some of you may already be looking at. Going to be doing a lot of derby stuff leading up to the race. Some profiles there. Also going to be doing some stuff for the Pollock Report. The last edition of the Derby Bubble will be live probably Thursday before the Derby. And it will be a version that I call Good Trip, Bad Trip where we look at every horse, every pose position, and we determine, okay, what's the ceiling, what's the floor? And making sure that we're able to do that in somewhat of an effective way. Last year, I got to tell you, big sin of omission, we did not chronicle the also eligibles. This meant Rich Strike wasn't in the article. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to be allowed to do that again. <laughs> That's funny. So, but yeah, lots of good stuff. You can follow me on Twitter at at Andrew Champagne. That'll have links to pretty much everything that I do. Uh, you can take a look at the Legal Sports Report website. That'll have some really cool articles, especially if you're into more of the law side of sports betting. A lot of really good writers over on that site that I admire and respect a great deal. And you can take a look at my stuff over on the Pollock Report too. And who knows, maybe I'll wind up uh, kicking the tires on something for my own personal website, depending on what I see during the course of the week. Of course, the Derby caps off a week of high-quality racing. There's the, uh, what do they call it now, 5-0 Tuesday? I have no idea. It's I a, saw that, yeah. It's a horrible gimmick. And by the way, public service announcement, Thurby is a horrible gimmick too. It's not a word. Stop acting like it's a word. Stop trying to make fetch happen. It's not going to happen. I thought Thurby makes sense, but I think the 5-0 Tuesday is, uh, is, is... A stretch? Yeah, it's a stretch. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so that's going to do it for us. Obviously, catch us at ontherongleed.com, at wrong underscore lead on Twitter. Like, all subscribe, all, all the buttons. buttons. Download download on multiple apps, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Spreaker. Is that something? I don't know. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, have a good weekend, everybody. And, uh, yeah, we'll catch you guys later. Take it easy, everybody.